challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, 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 welcome. Listen, every week I say it, every week people don't believe me. This past week I had the most emails I've ever had, and someone was asking, how do I go through that number of emails, uh, you know, in one week? So the answer is I don't, and let's see here. We gained a little over 10,000, no, no, 15,000 emails between uh, between Sunday's message and Wednesday. So that was awesome. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. So hello to everybody in um chat chat is wide open we've got folks represented from all over the country there which is awesome we're glad to see you and today the food is nuts last week was good this week i don't even know what to say seriously yeah off the hook really ridiculous we had we're out of space we don't even have space for the food uh this week you all will be relieved to know there is, well, is there still dessert? Is dessert going? Oh, yeah, yeah, you brought You brought brownies, which is good. Word on the banana pudding is that it's poisoned and no one should touch it. Don't eat it. Put it in a safe place so we don't anybody accidentally eat that. Just saying. So, yeah, we had all kinds of great stuff, and so it's really, really good to, to have all of you all here with us. Uh, Jerry, we miss you too, and uh, you know to drag Joe along. I know you got some business to attend to, so that's why you're not here. We want to pray for our dear friend and usual host, uh, John, is under the weather, so that's why we're meeting here this week. Uh, but we so appreciate him and everything that he does, and and uh, and we have a uh, I love poisoned banana pudding, Jerry says. <laughs> uh oh, there's two Alaskans today. Boyd, welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to have you. Great man and patriot. We have got some guests with us today, ironically tied into the aviation field, a pilot, our dear friend Linda, and Sean, one of the many Seans in the room, uh, a military firefighter with his friend Sean, who is a military firefighter. And I'm Sean, your host tonight. <laughs> so we're glad to have you. Good to have you. Uh, really wonderful. No pressure, but next time you come, maybe you could bring a keyboard uh, or something. We have our violinist here. Just saying, there could be music breakout. Hey, how many of you lit were there live or listened online to Christabel Braden? Anybody? Wasn't that fun? 
hey, you know what? I'm going to be doing, I think in a few weeks, I'm going to be going up and doing one of her Tuesday live things up in Allentown, be broadcast over Facebook. So we'll let everybody know. And then also something I'm guilty of all the time is, okay, the Alaskan says Sean Cubed. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, and we haven't heard from Craig. I don't know where he is. He's usually here uh, listening with his wife. I meant to say, last week he said they had, I think, 18 inches of snow in the last 24 hours. And that was nothing. He was like, what are you kidding me? That's a dusting. So, uh, yeah, that's not for me. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, the website, theninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com. I did a, a blog post today, a little article there today. So if you think of it, go there, take a look at that, write a comment. Thank you for all of your encouraging emails. And uh, the Alaskan says, uh, I was a firefighter first six years in the Air Force, supported A-10s, one of my favorite aircraft. Uh, and now that's down defunct Myrtle Beach Air Force Base, South Carolina. That's where he was. So that's awesome. Thank you for serving. We're a military-centric group here. So today, you know, <clears throat> so much, uh, what, what a week politically, right? It was quite a week politically. Um, you know, I've been politically active a long time, and uh, the name of my Wednesday show, Wednesdays at 4, were The Collision of Faith and Politics. And uh, so I've been politically active a long time, most of my life. Um, I joined the Navy when I was in 11th grade, and uh, 13 days after graduation, I was in boot camp. I was one of the weirdos. I loved boot camp. I loved all the all that stuff. It was just fun for me. Um, I just really enjoyed it. It was it was just a blast. I forgot. Yeah, you're you're a military guy. Yeah, you know uh, Lloyd was Air Force, and he is a. Uh, you graduated from the conservatory, right? Uh, as a conductor, both of you did. That's awesome. That's pretty cool, right? Band. Yeah, the band is rocking the rocking the band, rocking the tunes, and a very important function in, in the military. Um, so as you as you watch, uh, hey Kel. Kel Fritzi uh, from our neighbor up north. Good to good to see you. Pleasure to have you. It's an honor honor to have you listening. She has a great great show. Uh, very fired up patriot. So this week was kind of a nutty week for politics. Now the week before we thought was going to be the really really nutty week because we thought you know okay everybody's going to get it out of their system. Then everybody will kind of fall in line a little bit. You know we'll get behind the wheel and push. You know, clear out some clear out some junk, some problems in in Congress, and clear you know identify some issues and, and deal with them. I don't know. Show of hands here, kind of a packed house here tonight. How many people thought that as much that we wanted to get done, that we dreamt of getting done, was actually going to get done in one week? Did anybody ever think that? I didn't. I'll raise my hand. I didn't. Not even close. I didn't. Th I I did not think that that many things would be getting done. It's just mind boggling. How many, how many in the room, and I guess in chat you could probably tell us, uh, how many in the room are, are actually excited to wake up and see what's going to happen? I am. I tell you, it's the truth. It's absolutely the truth. I am. Uh, so, so almost the whole room. Uh, Buckeye did not raise her hand because she's resting. So she's, she's right at my feet, those of you who ask about Buckeye, right at my feet, uh, protecting me, keeping me safe from all the sketchy characters. But I thought, you know, as I looked around and, and on the blog post, probably should have marked that, that, hey, you know, probably not safe for work. Um, 
but uh, but I'll go back and I'll adjust that. But there's I I, I was going to post pictures of the women's march, uh, not the march for life, but the women's march. I was going to post, but no, I watched it. And you could watch it because many of the networks carried it the whole time. They never even cut away. They had people, reporters and air quotes reporters in the crowd, you know, reporting on what was going on, really ginning it up, and um, in between reporters claiming that that uh, President Trump had removed the Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, bust from the Oval Office, which wasn't true. Uh, they, were, they were very busy stirring up foment uh, of anger and, and whatnot. So I thought, as I'm thinking about this week, I'm really thinking about um, what would the message be that I would see that we need to remember, the message we need, what, we need, what, what do we need to remind ourselves of? Uh, what do we need more of? And and I say that as a uh, follower of the way, but really and truly, um, the people stirring up all this foment, they need this message. They they really not that I think they would ever listen. I don't know. I, I hope that they would. And maybe if you're a fairly conservative person and you happen to uh, listen, I do have uh, several husbands and wives. Uh, Either the wife is super conservative or the husband is super conservative and the other is, is liberal. And I've been hearing from a lot of that, and it's really interesting to me because there's a lot of angst in their household. They thought there was a lot of fighting before, but now it's so much worse. The one that's left is the one firing everything up, and the one that's conservative is like, look, come on. you know. Remember when your guy won eight years ago? Remember we didn't fight? I just said, well, guy won. Let's. Let him do his thing, you know, checks and balances. That's what this is all about. Well, that reminds me, next week, if you're in the Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania area, Center for Self-Governance, go for go to www.centerforselfgovernance.com. Uh, not this week, but next week, we'll have classes all in Delaware, uh, Kent County and Sussex County, uh, level one and level two of five. I've been privileged to complete the five levels. I still have homework to do, um, but I, but I must say, uh, Mark Kerr will be here teaching. He actually stays with us when he comes, and we love having him here. We see how hard he works. We see how hard all of those people, they don't get paid a dime. Uh, they run off of donations. That's it. And they don't. none of them take a salary. And this guy, he gets up at 5 in the morning, is out of here usually by 6 a.m., drives how many ever hours to get to where he has to get, teaches for nine or ten hours. He never teaches. Wes, you would know. He never teaches for the prescribed amount. Boy never stops. He just never stops. And uh, he's retired Air Force too, actually. And and then he'll get home. Sometimes it's ten or later. And then he gets up and does it again the next day. It's just absolutely amazing. Very inspiring. But what you learn at Center for Self-Governance teaches you kind of how to deal with what we're experiencing in this country right now. Now, I have talked to some people who are nervous. People, conservatives, are nervous. They're very nervous. Christian conservatives, they feel like they're in the crosshairs of the left because they're starting to see that not all of the left, but many of the left aren't that fluffy, soft landing, tolerant of everyone kind of people. And, and is that a surprise to anyone here? No, it really isn't. None of us are surprised. None of us are surprised, but there's a lot of people that are. And so what's interesting is there are a lot of people who are really struggling right now. I mean, to tell you, they're really struggling. They, there's a lot of angst within the church. Uh, there's some people 
that uh, lean more left. There's some that lean more right. There's some that say, no, we got to, the only way we can really do well in all this is to be centrist and moderate. And so I thought, well, what, what could I say? More importantly, what could scripture say? What could God say to these folks? And, uh, and I have to say, this is what I came up with. And, and the thing that kept uh, resonating with me in my mind is a message to remember. It's something to remember as the, the, uh, the temperature goes up a little bit. And I think temperature is going to go up a lot, truthfully. I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg, of course. Uh, now with the, um, the extreme vetting started from the same seven nations that uh, our previous president uh, uh, prescribed, but a little more aggressively, they're stopping them at the airport and saying, if you're from these, we got to do some more research on you. And so now, of course, there's amazingly, I don't know how this happens. These people get these professionally printed signs in like four minutes, and they converge, thousands of them converge on places. I think it's like 12 or 15 people that have been detained thus far. Now, they're not in jail. When I say detained, they're not, they're not jailed. It's just, let's just see where you're coming from, see what we can learn about you before we say, yeah, sure, come on in, you know which is kind of what I want when they come from countries that want to kill us. So 2 Peter 1-2, this is the uh, complete Jewish Bible. May grace and shalom be yours in full measure as you come to a full knowledge of God and Yeshua our Lord. Now, we in this time, and I kind of alluded to it in, in my open, we're on this desperate need. We're in this desperate journey for peace. I think most of us would say uh, that if it was as simple, if it were as simple as, well, if I'm more peaceful, then everyone else will be peaceful. Well, we had eight years of an experiment where we learned that that's not the case with the enemies that we're facing. It's just simply not the case. It's just not true. It's not true. If that were the case, we wouldn't need a military, but we would just need a big bonfire and some marshmallows and, and make some s'mores. You know, we all get together and then just send them down to the border and, and teach, you know, everybody how to make s'mores and, and sing songs around the bonfire. If that was what would work, that's, that, but that doesn't work. That's silly. But at some point or another, all of us need this point of uh, shalom. And I use that term, I'll explain it in, in complete detail here in a minute. But But at some point, all of us realize our utterly desperate need to understand grace. We all realize our desperate need for grace, but the real question is, how do we get it? How do we get the grace? How? I'll tell you how, and it's so much simpler than most of us realize, key words, or accept. Some of us realize it, but we don't accept it. You, know, you ever have a situation where something is too easy? It's too simple. And we think, well, it can't be that simple. Anybody in here an engineer? I can't believe it. It's hard to believe. Engineers, nothing is simple. It's never simple. It's always, well, I wish Rod was here. Our, our buddy Rod, I hope he's listening from Florida. You know, he, he makes, for an engineer, he makes everything way more simple than I've ever had an engineer ever make. Uh, Navy guy, retired Navy officer, so I guess that makes sense. He just puts things simple. But usually it's, we make things harder. And, um, one thing I want to emphasize to you is we all have the capacity, no matter what's happened to us in our lives, we all have the capacity for grace, no matter our personal circumstances, the color of our skin, our nationality, education, wealth, really not even our religion denies us the capacity 
well, let me say this. The label, the label we put on our religion, it doesn't have to impact our ability to understand these really important lessons and accept them. Now, in biblical Hebrew, I'm going to say this to you in Hebrew, Peleo es el gebora biad sar shalom. And in Latin, for those of you who speak Latin, uh, the Latin Vulgate reads that uh, his name, capital H, his name, admirabilis conserarius deus fortis pater futuri seocli princeps pacis. And that's Latin, uh, according to Douay Reims, um, and this translates as wonderful, counselor, God the mighty, the father of the world to come, the prince of peace. So we're going to find out more about what that means now. We realize and accept God's grace by increasing our knowledge of God and Yeshua. Well, that, we're done. That was a, There it is. I don't have to go on. I reserved all this time for nothing. Brownie right, brownies? Get with it. Um, hold up. Gloria is not here. She's attending to, they had a death in her family. We need to, Gloria, cut up, dear lady. Uh, but she, if she were here, she would have the ice cream for the brownies, because she's a big fan of brownies with ice cream. So I have to pray for her and, and think of her. But it is that simple. The way we realize and accept God's grace is by increasing our knowledge of God and Yeshua. Now, what does that mean? How do we apply that in a practical way every day? If any of you just, you know, you don't have to answer if you don't, if you don't want to. If any of you have days where things are a little easier than others, for whatever reason, you go to bed, everything's fine. You wake up, and you're all jacked up. You're nervous. You're you're angst-ridden. You don't remember being that when you went to bed, but all of a sudden now you're like, you're just keyed up. You're just fired up. You just can't figure out why. And on those days, it seems like you don't get much done, even though you think you would because you're fired up. You don't. But what you find yourself, uh, your mind goes to those challenging things you can't seem to defeat. And it's a weird thing because it comes out of nowhere. So the everyday part of that, how do we apply that in a practical way every day, is really important because it's easier to apply on some days than it is the others. Now, it's easy to be, when everything's just going along swimmingly, everything's great, it's easy to be this great Christian or follower, uh, follower of the way, you know, person of your faith, Following God, you know, some days it's easier. Some days it's easier to be a peaceful, easygoing person. Now, we have people in this room who are dealing with cancer. We have several in this room dealing with cancer. We have uh, people who, who have had joint, major joint replacements within the past few months. People in the room who are dealing with major illnesses, uh, you know, varying disabilities. We, we have all kinds of challenges. Parents that are now going through Alzheimer's. And, and I'm like, man, that's tough, you know. It's tough, tough times. But what I'm talking about is that thing, and it seems kind of obscure, and I know you probably wonder where's he going with this, but I'll, I'll wrap it up for you. Um, what I'm talking about is that tough day when for no reason at all you wake up and you just can't have peace. Maybe it's something simple like you had your coffee maker if you're a coffee drinker. I happen to like coffee. Uh, you have the timer on. You have to leave your house for your job or your company or whatever at um, 7.10, 7.13 if you're really pushing it and you get all the lights. So you have your coffee machine to come set to come on at 6.30 because you know you want to get a couple gulps in before you drive because it would be unsafe for everyone else otherwise. 
for whatever reason, your coffee maker plug wasn't all the way in. Now, you know it was a conspiracy in your household for people that don't drink coffee. They hate coffee, the smell of coffee, so they, they unplugged it. You know they did. They were plugging in some stupid thing like a lava lamp or something, you know, that they got at a yard sale for a dollar. So you just know that it's that. Uh, or, well, they hate coffee, and they don't want me to have coffee, so this, this is a conspiracy. Your mind goes to stupid stuff. Then you go to get in your car, and, you know, maybe you're unloading stuff in the back, and you put your half a can of drink that you had in there on your seat because you were rushed, and you were trying to greet the dog and all this. And then, and then you, but you don't look first, and you go sit in the seat. And the top is off, and, yeah, you know where that's going. And it's just... You know, like, oh, somebody put that there because you never think, you know, well, that was me. Uh, and then, and you, you know, you're driving to work, and it's just bad. Everything's bad. It's just, it just makes you mad. Everything makes you mad. You can't find a tool. If you're a mechanical person, you know, you got to work on stuff. You're, you know, maybe your uniform, you're, there's something missing, and you're, uh, you're, what, are, what is the guys above you? What's the rank above you guys that would be your assistant chief, you know? They notice. They don't notice anything, but they notice this on the one day, and you're thinking to yourself, man, don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. But they do. They mess with you that day, and it's just frustrating. And everything just gets you down. It's, it's those kind of days. I'm not talking about the days where, you know, they're talking about the Russians attacking us, talking about the, you know, uh, gas is going to go up to $12 a gallon, you know, these types of things. Um, you know, the world is falling apart. This is this is what we're hearing from the left right now, right? It's yeah, sky's falling. Oh, that's right. Hashtag sky's falling. So that's what we're hearing. But we don't really live in that world. We live our daily life, the life that we have to kind of share with with God is that life that is what happens as we kind of move through our day, you know, and the little simple things. That other stuff is so big sometimes that we don't even really think about it. It's in the back of our mind, you know, but front of mind is all the stuff that kind of gets in our way. The reason why it jacks us up so bad is because we know that big stuff is back there. And if we can just manage this little stuff, we're good to go. But we don't have peace. So every day, every day, managing it every day. First James 1.5 promises that we can all have wisdom just by asking. Not some of us, all of us. Let me, let me read. Free of charge, no cost, obligation to you. I'll read you a couple extra for free. James 1, 1 through 8, this is a complete Jewish Bible. From Yaakov, a slave of God, and the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. Now, this was written to the 12 tribes in the diaspora. What that means is the 12 tribes of Jews, they were, they were sent out into the wilderness. You know, they were all over, you know, different places all over, you know, in the diaspora. They were, they were spread out. And so he's, he's writing this to them. First thing he says is shalom important word, you know. Well, people say, well, I'm not Jewish, so I don't need to know what shalom is. Well, actually, especially if you're not Jewish, you need to know what shalom is. So we'll explain that. Regard it, this verse 2, regard it all as joy, my brothers, when you face various kinds of temptations, for you know that the testing of your trust produces perseverance. But let perseverance do its complete work so that you may be complete and whole and lacking in nothing. Let me say this. Let me let me just go back a second. But let perseverance, but let perseverance, other people would say discipline, self-discipline. Uh, I, I worked with a guy who's from Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. His name is Dennis. Ironically, same as the 
president of my seminary, Dennis Fry. But Dennis was a high-strung guy who was super good at his work. He'd done the same job. He did the same job, not like progressing up the ladder, the same job for 12 years. That, that's impossible to do in this job, but that's what he wanted. They tried to promote him. He didn't want that. He was so high-strung, really and truly nobody really wanted to work for him. They couldn't picture working for Dennis. Great guy, though. Uh, a distance runner. And he, he got into distance running because he was so high-strung. And, oh, by the way, he was also uh, a recovering alcoholic. So Dennis said, this is what I got to do. I, I got to do this running business. Wear myself out. Well, then what happens? He gets plantar fasciitis. So bad, he has to wear special shoes. As a, as a grown man, who in here has ever had that? Right? Whew, it's a bummer. I mean, the guy was in terrible pain. He'd wake up in the middle of the night, you know, screaming. But he he was a guy, you guys know people like this. Now, Ohio people, let me let, me let you know a secret. If a person from Ohio says, you ask them for something, hey, Dad, can we go over to get ice cream after, you know, my game? If they say this to you, you know this means no. Uh, let's play it by ear. That means no. If you're a parent. Somebody says play by ear. If they're from Ohio, that means no. Just that's note to self. That's free too. Nothing extra. But Dennis would say he would come into work. He was a highly motivated guy. He would say, "Get after it." You know, we'd have our little meeting, little group meeting, and out of nowhere, Dennis would say, "Now get after it." Now he wasn't the supervisor. You'd ask him an hour later, "Hey Dennis, how you doing?" I'm getting after it. That was his go-to, right? Five minutes before the end of the workday, he was already ready to go. Uh, he was one of those guys that, you know, he, he would work hard when he was there, but when he, working overtime for him was if he got to his car, if his shift ended at 4.30, if it was 4.34 by the time he got to his car, well, the company owed him some money. <laughs> I don't know how you fashion that out, but it did. So he, but, but that would be five minutes before the end of the workday. You'd say, Dennis, how you doing? I'm getting after it. I was always getting after it. You ever, you ever know somebody like that? But the funny thing about it is he persevered. Can't do the same job. That you're only designed to really do this job for three years, and then you've got to promote out of it or transfer somewhere else. He persevered. He said, why do people try to promote me? I like this job. I don't want a different job. I want to persevere in this job. I want to be the greatest ever within limitations that's ever done this job, and I don't want to do another job. I don't want to learn another job. I, don't want, to, I want to persevere. And he would use this word persevere in this job. And honestly, he was a phone book. He was a human phone book. You know, the phone book at this big, you know, Fortune 500 company was gigantic. And you, it, even if you're saying under your breath, you know, well, I wonder how I reach legal. You know, you said it no louder than that. Dennis, who was three offices away, would holler out to you, Oh, that's uh, that's six one four five one three. Ask for Dina. She knows what she's doing. But Tracy, she doesn't know anything. So and then you know, get after it. And then you know, you get after it. I mean, it's just the way he was. He was quite a character. Uh, and so, but but you ask him, why do you stay in this job? He said, I like to persevere in what I know and what I like. I don't like it that much, but I persevere in it because I'm good at it, and I want to learn something different. This persevere is different than that in the sense that. You don't persevere begrudging way, right? We don't persevere in our faith in a begrudging way, but a lot of people do. They, in their life, they persevere. And it, I, hey, news, it ain't easy. 
Being a person of faith, not easy, especially if you're an outspoken person of faith. You know, that's going to get you the slings and arrows. That's going to get you made fun of. That's going to get all those things done. But let perseverance, let me go back for a second. For you know that the testing of your trust produces perseverance. The testing of your trust. People say, why, man, why can't I catch a break? Why can't I get a break? I, why didn't God bless? I became a Christian 15 seconds ago, and I still don't have a blessing. Or maybe I've been a Christian since I was however old. I still don't have a blessing. I just, I would like to sit with you, and I'll point out. The, I will do ding, ding, ding. Every time I see a blessing that you don't see, we'll ring a bell, and I get a dollar. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> so a lot of people, they don't see the blessing, but but the important thing here to remember is is, is it's that testing that produces that perseverance. Unless you collapse every time. If you if you fold like a house of cards on a windy day, every single time you're tested, I know the testing, some of the testing you've been under. I know some of the testing you've been under. I know some of the testing you guys are under and some of the testing that you've been under. And everybody, everybody in here, you've discussed those things. And you have, all of you have, I've heard all the different things. And it's tough. It's tough, but you know, that testing provides you perseverance. If How do you know you can persevere if you never test? Honest to goodness. I remember one time a guy in the military. Uh, now I loved being in the military. I was one of those weird guys. I loved boot camp. The harder the school was, I loved it. I just loved all of it. The more challenge, and if it could have a little element of chance of death, that was even better. Or maybe deadly animals. Like we're going to run, but we're going to run through where there's bears and stuff. <sighs> Sign me up. So I had this one guy who messed with me. His name was Matt. God bless him. He told me when he retired from military that he was going to become the number. I said, what are you going to do in retirement? He goes, I'm going to be the number one Cadillac car salesperson in Kentucky, the whole state of Kentucky. You better believe that. I said, what? He says, yeah, I'm going to be the number one Cadillac car salesperson in Kentucky. That was where he's from, in case you're wondering. And that's the thing. I'm almost six foot four. Mac was a little tiny guy, skinny as all get out. Boy, would beat me in basketball. And he's he was at least 20 years older than me. Beat me in basketball like I was standing still. on how he did it. I was a pretty good basketball player. He did every time. With a grin, and he never was out of breath. That really torqued me. But Mac, Mac would never run PT. Somehow or another, you know, he was the guy, you know, that I would report to for special things, PT and all this. He he would mess with me and I'd say, Mac, how many do I have to how many minutes do I have to do a mile and a half this time? How many push ups? How many chin ups? How many this? How many that? And he'd tell me. He and he'd always he'd always cut the time dramatically on the run and he'd always add twenty five push ups and sit ups and chin ups and whatever. He'd always do it every time. And he'd be chuckling the whole time, you know, just laughing. Because I'd see that going, I'm gonna crush that. I'm gonna crush that. I didn't want to just do it, I wanted to kill it, you know. Once somebody put a plaque up with my name on it, he crushed it, you know, type of deal. Maybe a picture, but I don't like myself in pictures. So, But the testing that I would go through made me faster. It made me stronger. It made me, you know, better suited for the the conflict that would surely come. Wait long enough, it'll come. The testing, the preparing. People say, well, I get sick of preparing. That's what all this is here here on this earth. That's what we're doing. We're preparing for heaven. But in the meantime, we can't sit back and go, hey, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. 
I'm just going to avoid all conflict. My buddy Chris Cahalan, pray for Chris. Uh, we have sometimes we have the most theological discussions on text message. And how do we, you know, today the question had to do with how do we, how do we fight this fight that we're supposed to do? How do we have peace? How do we bring? And I thought it was funny because I don't know how he knew I was going to preach on this, but. And uh, how do we how do we fight the enemy righteously? We fight him righteously, but you know what? This is all preparation. Everything we go through is all preparation for the fight. So back to uh, verse four. But let perseverance do its complete work. Let me stop there for a second. Let perseverance do its yeah some of the work. I yell at my son all the time. I say I give him three things to do. I say, hey buddy, can you do this, this, and this? Now they're not you know, hey, can you solve world peace? Can you create a nuclear bomb that fits in my pocket? And can you show me where the bears are? You know, it's not that. It's little stuff. But, you know, he's 21, almost 22, and he's got his mind on, on other stuff too. And so he'll do the first thing, and then he'll wander. I'll be like, what about number two and number three? And, you know, he's getting better about it. He really is. But the thing is, is it, it's great if it's the complete work. It's the complete job, right? The guys that are in the military – if you do part of the job, a plane comes in, God forbid, catches fire, which must cause you to cringe as a pilot. Catches fire, you're on your truck, you got your outfits on, you're out there, you're working, you know. It's almost lunchtime, so the whole plane is on fire, but you say, you know, it's lunchtime. Man's got to eat. God works hard as I do, I've got to eat. So you put half the plane out, you know. The other's still burning, but you say, hey, it's lunchtime, i got to eat. Get a little, you know, you're running. We have a marathon runner here. You're running. It's 26.2 miles. You get to mile 13. You're like, oh, I feel pretty good, but I'm hungry. You know, I don't like these running shoes I have. I liked them the first, I don't know, nine and a half miles, but I'm not liking them now. And so you whip out your phone because most marathoners run with their phone. They don't, I don't think. Um, and you go online because you have 4G and you go and you find, oh, some places having a running shoe. So you stop, you go, hey, I can give me some new running shoes. Right? You don't get a banner or a badge or a medal if you run only 13 miles of the – well, but I ran 13 miles. Well, sorry. It's, it's, that's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. And that is, that's life. That's the thing, you know. That's, that is the thing. Life works the way it works, and we can't change that. So we have to change ourselves. But let perseverance do its complete work that you may be complete and whole. Wow, that sounds pretty good, complete and whole. I haven't felt complete and whole my whole life. Maybe 10 minutes ago I did, but or maybe when I was five and I'm 51. That's the last time, complete and whole. That would feel pretty good, wouldn't it? I don't know many people who would raise their hands if I asked a question, who in the room feels complete and whole very few people would it's the truth if they're being honest look i had a life uh life coaching and counseling practice and and in that you know i asked tough questions anybody that's ever been one of my counselees i asked the tough questions and so and i expect a real answer the crap answers i mean go pay somebody else for that one it, it's no fun for me if i just sit and listen to lies i was a police officer for years i've listened to enough lies for a lifetime but the thing is 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 one thing I've heard more than anything else is, man, I've, I want to count for something in this world. I want to achieve something. I want to be happy 
doing what I do, and and I just I'm tired of being incomplete. You know, I'm tired of always almost there, but not all the way there. I'm, I'm almost there, but I'm not all all the way there. As it relates to health, you know, I have a lot of health challenges. A lot of people in here have a lot of health challenges. And I have to tell you, boy, I'll get one thing licked for five minutes, and there'll come another thing. I'll get up, you know, and, and uh, oh, wow, I didn't have a headache last night. I was able to sleep four and a half hours. And then I'll go to get up to prance to the restroom in the morning. I don't prance. I'm just kidding. That was just for <laughs> not in a pretty way. I'll go to get up, and I'll be feeling all full of myself, you know, hoo-hoo, check me out, no headache last night, what? I'm going to run a marathon today. And then uh, I get half the way to the bathroom, and I dislocate my knee and my shoulder. Just one of those things. That you, you just don't you just don't feel whole and complete very often, most people, if they're being honest. But this apparently is important because it says, let perseverance do its complete work, that you may be complete and whole, lacking in only a few things. Or, or does it say that? No, it doesn't say that. It sure doesn't. It says, lacking in nothing. You lack nothing. Man, how would it be if somebody said, I'll tell you what, I mentioned Dr. Fry. Dr. Fry is one of the most awesome men, and I think Dr. Frazier is listening, two of my favorite people on the planet. And uh, Dr. Fry is the president of my seminary. And uh, you ask him, I always make fun, because he was, he was in the Navy when I was born. Just saying. Uh, so if he's listening, he gets to hear that again. But you ask Dr. Fry, and he means this. He means this when he says it. I say, hey, Dr. Fry, how are you doing? Well, I'm no better than top-notch. That's his, And that really, is his, that really is his thing. It's not a saying. He's just so thankful to be alive. He's so full of life. He just feels whole. Like, he's not a wealthy man by any stretch. He's certainly an accomplished speaker and author and certainly president of, of, uh, of Masters. And, and he's just an amazing, amazing human being, wonderful man, wonderful mentor, wonderful teacher. But he's just happy. doesn't mean he doesn't have challenges in his life. It just means he's happy. You guys ever know anybody like that? You you know their life isn't a peach. It isn't perfect. It isn't, but they're just happy. They say, you know, hey, you know, life is tough, but I'm I'm here. I'm feeling complete. I'm feeling whole. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask. You knew there was a caveat. Let him ask in trust, doubting nothing. I say all the time, hesitant faith is no faith at all. It's just how it is. It's how it works. Somebody is not going to come along and give you faith. you got to build it. I'll explain how in a second. But let him ask and trust. Look, he says, God is going to give to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given. He says, you'll lack nothing. But the key here is let him ask and trust, doubting nothing. For the doubter is like a wave in the sea being tossed. Now, how big is the sea? Right, it's huge. It's it's enormous. So has anybody here been on a ship in the middle of the sea? Any sea? I have. West has, you have. I've, I've been in the middle. You could not see anything but water. I'm not a fan. Not particularly. I'm just not a fan. It's okay. I don't panic. I'm not no big deal. But, you know... It's not my favorite feeling, but I'll tell you, 
being out in the middle of, of, of an ocean, even if it's a thousand degrees, like the Indian Ocean, a thousand degrees, it's literally, you're like, did, are we sailing to the sun? Because I think we're there. And, uh, you know, the deck is steel and it's hot. When there's a breeze, it's like the breeze from a flamethrower when you first turn it on, you know. But I remember as a young guy standing out on that deck, which, by the way, they're retiring that ship, CVN-65, the Enterprise. Um, I remember standing on that deck, and the next day I was supposed to jump off the deck of the carrier. Myself and two other guys were supposed to show people you can survive going off the deck, you know, that's like going off of a high rise into the water. You can survive that. Here's what you do. Oh, you don't think you can? Well, then me and my two other buddies, this is what we were supposed to do. So I knew the next day this is not going to be the funnest day ever. Peace. I'm standing. I was whole and complete. And uh, I, I was saying, and I had said a little prayer, you know, God, you know, if uh, you know, if I don't swim fast enough to get the 150 yards away from the screw. On the side of the ship, you know, because it's this giant propulsion system that will literally pull you in and pull you under. you got to get 150 feet away, and you got to do it fast. You can't be like, oh, I fell off the boat. First of all, it's a ship. And second of all, you can't be lounging about because guess what's in the water in the, in the ocean? Sharks be in the water. And they're not like the sharks at, like, the Baltimore Aquarium where they kind of they're chill and they swim around they're like, hey, what's up? No, they're like, <laughs> they fall in the water. They, they have this communication system that tells all their buddies, dinner or breakfast, whichever. Uh, so you gotta be you got to be hasty. But you also can't spend a lot of time lamenting over, wow, I just fell off this ship. Because they're moving, flight operations are moving 30 knots into the wind. you got to haul. you got to hit that ground. It's like hitting a, uh, it's like getting smacked in the head with a two-by-four. It just hurts. It's it's not fun. But you got to get moving. You got to move quick. You, you can't lay around and lament your situation. There's a next step you got to get to. But the thing is, is I realized when I was standing there and I was praying, God, if if I mess up and I get disoriented or I get knocked out when I hit the water, if I got to go, can you make it quick? Or can it be really, really cool, like really dynamic? Like maybe I get eaten by a shark. But there's somebody filming it, like there's a film crew, so that, you know what I mean? I didn't want it to be just, oh, I don't know what happened to Grainer. He's gone. That fool, he's from Sussex County. He don't know no better, you know. But I remember having a lot of peace. I just had a whole lot of peace about it. And I said, you know, if you could, just handle it. But then I realized at that moment, man, the sea is big. It's big. But yet it says here, but let him ask and trust, doubting nothing, for the doubter is like a wave in the sea being tossed and driven by the wind. Folks, can you see the wind? You can see the effects of the wind, but you can't see the wind. You can't see the wind, but the wind can do massive damage. I, I've been in three tornadoes in my lifetime. Uh, and I'm just going to tell you, tornadoes, they, they don't play, and they don't care about who you are. They really don't. They really don't. They're tough. And I've seen homes. I've, I've one, there was one in my community when I lived in Ohio. There was one in my community killed 21 people. Kid you not. 21 people within five miles, five mile radius of me. Unbelievable. Right, row. I think I just lost my, my connection here. Um, let's see here. Let me know if you all can still hear me. 
maybe the chat folks can let me know. Um, yep, there we are. So I, I remember going to a place where I knew there was a house, but there was no house and no evidence a house was ever there. But right next to the house on the right side and right next to the house on the left side and right behind the house, there were trees. You couldn't tell there had been any breeze even, let alone a tornado. But the house was gone, the wind. The wind is for real. But when you're driven by the wind and you're subject to the wind, man, that's tough. That's tough living. The only thing that, that takes you through that is perseverance. Indeed, that person should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord because he is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Now, that's a toughie. Because people who live in doubt, we call that double-minded. You know, one minute, they're committed. Feeling great. Next minute, they're like, oh, no, the sky is falling. Next minute, oh, the world is great. Next minute, the sky is falling. You find that exasperating if you're not that person, don't you? If you've got to work next to that person, some people live with that person. Right? It's a hard thing. So my contemporary tie-in here is this. I know you may have asked yourself, where is wisdom and knowledge found? Well, I have this little saying about wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is the acceptance of facts and wisdom is but knowledge judiciously applied. In other words, you know all kinds of stuff. You guys know people like that. If you're on their team when you're playing Trivial Pursuit, that's awesome. But if you're not on their team while playing Trivial Pursuit, you kind of wish you had that big anvil that falls in cartoons, you know, and you could just direct it in for an airstrike. People, that drives you crazy. But, but they just have a lot of knowledge, but they don't have a lot of wisdom. They don't judiciously apply that. So you may have asked yourself in the dark, quiet of night, yet another night as you're praying for sleep, you're praying for restorative sleep, who do we trust to provide knowledge and wisdom? Now, I'm going to give you a modern perspective since so many people seem to reject ancient knowledge uh, for modernity, you know, modern, sultry ways. It seems like some people just, they got to have the modern thing and, instead of what we know in ancient of days worked. Um, and, and this is one I mentioned early on. That one week into his presidency, very controversial yet unprecedented presidency, President Trump is dueling with the alleged news media. And the pretend news media is fecklessly fighting President Trump every tooth and nail because the lying press, they're unwilling to objectively provide us with the truth and knowledge that we need, right? We're supposed to get our truth and knowledge. Not really. I'm just saying we're supposed to get our truth and knowledge from the press. They wouldn't know if it hit them in the face. But the point is, the point is, is that's their function. They're supposed to report on the news, not make the news, right? That's what they do. They're, they're not supposed to shape the news. They're supposed to just say, hey, this happened. They're not willing. So President Trump is going around them. This little thing that was invented called Twitter, 140 characters or less, hashtag this or that, boom, he talks right to the American people. He's rendering these people, the purveyors of untruth, he's rendering them impotent, and he's rendering them ridiculous. How? How's he doing that? With the truth. In a little, not a big long speech, little tiny tweet, 140 characters. The news media, look, they don't like that at all. In fact, they're not happy. They're mad. But how did this start? Look, here's a fact we can't ignore. We can't have peace without knowledge. No way. Can't do it. Now, you can be dumb and be floating in the middle of the ocean, and somebody could come up to you and say, hey, you've got to jump 150 feet, or how much ever, I don't remember how much exactly it is, from the deck of this 
pitching ship that's going up and down 30 to 50 feet, you know, with the swells, you're going to have to jump off tomorrow. Oh, no, you got to swim out 150 feet. Oh, and then you got to, you know, turn around and you got to do all these things and flip your uniform inside out and make a, make a, you know, flotation device with your hat. It's not going to stay on your head. I don't know who thought of that. It's not going to stay on your head. Trust me, it ain't going to stay on your head. And, you, you know, you're not very smart. So you say, well, okay. You know, hey, we'll let you have an extra Twinkie at the chow hall tomorrow after you jump. Well, great. You know, look, you can have, that's not real peace. That's not, that's not peace at all. That's just being dumb. We can't have peace without knowledge. Sometimes, though, no, nay, all of the time, we cannot get to the peace which brings knowledge until we wage the war required to get to the knowledge. Sometimes you have to dig. Why? Because it's not an easy, sanitized path to get to the knowledge. Scripture, capital S, it's not the easiest thing in the world to read. Although, let me just say, if you don't have a Bible that you can read, that you feel comfortable with, the, the language of it, I'll help you get one. Whatever it takes, we'll, get, we'll put a Bible in your hand. But the fact of the matter is, look, man, it's, it's, a, it's a hard slog sometimes. How many of you here read the same passage over and over and over and over? You read the same passage over and over, and you're like, I don't even know what I just read. You, you read it five times, but you're like, did I just read that? Yeah, I think I did. I'm on the same page. It's an hour and a half after I started reading. Or you fall asleep. The enemy likes to make you sleepy when you go to read the Bible. It's just how it works. It's what it does because the enemy doesn't want you to read the word because the answer, the knowledge, the wisdom, the shalom is in the book. But it's not easy. Just as false knowledge, modern press, you know, false knowledge of scripture is very common. Uh, people will twist the scripture. We know the enemy twists the scripture. When he was tempting Christ, that's what he did. He 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 quoted scripture, but he changed a few little things. It's not providing knowledge. It's, it's not providing wisdom. It's only lies. If our source of knowledge isn't providing wisdom, then we will perish. My buddy Jerry, you know, he was one of the first I ever saw with bumper sticker that had this uh, on his car. You don't have to trust me on this. I'll read you the scripture. Hosea uh, 4, 6 through 19, my people are destroyed for want of knowledge. Because you rejected knowledge, I will also reject you as Kohen for me. Because you forgot the Torah, can I get an amen, of your God. Applies then, applies now. I will also forget your children. How many have ever driven off without your kids? How many have kids? Because <laughs> the people without kids are like, I do it every day. I don't know what happens. They're not in the car. But you don't have kids, so it's okay. But have you ever read? Now, this happened uh, in my hometown. Actually, twice it happened in my hometown. People had a child, a baby in their car. One was a toddler, one was a baby. Middle of the summer, they drive to work, the workplace or wherever to have a meeting, and the baby dies. They, they don't know the baby's in the car. I don't know how that happens, but whatever, it happens. And it's awful and it's terrible. And, I, and I'm sorry to tell you, I think somebody's got to really dig into your head to figure out how you don't know you have a kid in the car. You're too busy trying to get stuff if you get to a place and you don't know that you just rode somewhere with a baby in your car. But there are people that do it. It happens, it happens all the time. You're a pediatrician. I bet, I bet stories you could tell me would blow my mind. It would break my heart. Don't tell me because I'll cry. I will also forget your children. You reject the knowledge of 
Look, people say, you know, my God's a living God. We can't recreate God in our own image. God is what he is. He says, you, you reject this knowledge, I won't just forget you. I'll forget your children. The more they increase in number, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. You know, this is a society we don't want to shame anybody. What is it now? It's body shaming. What's the other one? There's other shaming. There's like nine or ten different shamings now. I don't even know what it is. It's a whole list of hashtag this or that. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, bullying. You know how you stop a bully? Throat punch. It's the most effective thing I've ever seen. And I'm telling you, I used to travel all over the country teaching a seminar for women uh, called Looking Forward to Being Attacked or Anticipating Attack. I, I love to do it. It's one of my favorite things to teach. I do, really. I've taught thousands, literally thousands. And I love it when there's a little – I get a volunteer, you know. You always know this one. Uh, I'll say, you know, hey, anybody, I'm going to do a little thing, show you how a big guy like me, you can – no problem, you know, no matter what size you are. And it's always the little one, you know. She's got that little side-to-side -side head bob, and she's like – Dr. Sean, I'll come up there. Sure enough, I will. If you call on me, if you ain't afraid, you know, and I'm like, I want you, you know. I love that. I love that pluck, you know. My daughter's tiny, you know. She's She she thinks she's fierce, but she might be fierce. I don't, she's not fierce. If she's listening, she's not fierce. Don't listen to this, boy. She's, but she is kind of. She's got a lot of spirit, you know. But you know you gotta you gotta uh, you gotta have a little something more than just spirit you know to fight back you know bad guys and stuff that way. It's always funny to me. It, it is always always funny to me because we'll talk about it and then you know I'll say okay you could do this and I used to do this one little thing. This is free. It won't cost you anything for this. I do this one little thing where I talk about pepper mace and I say you know who who in here carries pepper mace because I always get questions right yeah 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 yeah. So so I will I'll ask this and this was way back years when pepper mace, you know, is a big giant can type of deal, not like it is today. And uh and I'll say, Okay, here's what here's what I want you to do. The audience is gonna count to five. And when they count to five, I want you to spray me from where you are. Always be in the first one or two rows, you know. I'd never I'd never pick somebody, you know, in the back row because I'm gonna get sprayed, but you know, that's you, you get you get in a dangerous situation and real close, twenty one feet or less. And so I would say, like yours is in your pocketbook, right? You got a little glove put on there, you got some damn damsel defense. Um I would say, I want you to spray me. Who in here wants wants so and so to spray me in the face? Who wants Dr. Sean to get sprayed? Right? Everybody does. They're like, I would pay to see that you know? And they always do. And I always say, and I always say, okay, can't have it in your hand right now. Just leave it wherever it is, wherever you keep it. They always go, all right. And then people would get giddy, you know. Usually, I always taught women. Usually, thousands of women at one one time. And so I would have the crowd count down. They get, you know, five, four, three, two, one. They'd always do from three to one a lot faster, you know. And then I would run down. And I, I never one time, never one time did I ever get sprayed. I always got there and put my hand on them before they sprayed me because it's hidden away. It's hidden away in their, in their, you know, in their pocketbook or I don't know what you call those things, clutch or whatever. I don't even know the difference of them, but whatever, whatever those things they carry around stuff, which I don't want to know what's in there, but I do know the ones that carry the mace that can't get to it. It's just too late. And so I would, I would always kind of not shame them, yeah, shame them a little bit and say, hey, if I'm an attacker. I'm not coming with a smile on my face. I'm coming 
to get you. This thing in your pocketbook, you're not going to get to it in time. You got to think. You got to prepare. You have to persevere through the preparation process. You know, you can't just sit here and go, "Well, whatever. I'll use it. I'll know how to use it when it comes time." You won't. And I say, "Don't spray and stay. Shoot and scoot." Uh, that's a copyrighted saying. Sean Greener copyrighted that. Don't spray and stay. Shoot and scoot. Spray them and haul booty. Get on out there. You know? Yeah. Shoot a taser. I'm a big fan of a gun, so whatever. If that's not your thing. But but after, you know, the audience would kind of like, oh, they would kind of shame that person. And then what would they do? They'd shame themselves. You'd see all these women going through their pocketbook going, and they, they would just pull stuff out of there. Listen, here's a tip. Ladies, some of that stuff, don't pull it all the way out. Leave it in there. We don't need to see it. Just saying. Uh, but, you know, you'd see them. I'd lose them for 20 minutes. I'd lose the audience for 20 minutes because now they're like, I thought I was safe. I hadn't prepared. I hadn't persevered in the preparation process. And now I'm going to get killed. So I need to work on this. And I always, after about 20 minutes, I have to, ladies, don't work on it now. We'll do the workshop and we'll show you how to do it. But the point of it is shame is something in this society. We've made this some bad thing. It's not. But if you're shaming a person who is innocent, different story. That Christians, I see Christians shame people. You all have heard me tell the story about the dear lady. She had a lot of problems. She came to my church when I was a kid. And, and nobody would help her. She wasn't wearing the right clothes. She smelled real bad. You could tell she was really going the wrong direction in life. She'd been going that direction a while, and nobody would talk to her. Nobody, nobody would help her. And she ended up getting hit by a car that night and killed, not two miles from the church where I was. Nobody helped her. Look, that, that's not the way for Christians to be. We're the number one most generous uh, entity in the world Christians are. Nobody's more generous. Nobody, that's how we have to keep being. But I'm saying sometimes we have to say there's a guy named uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. He's an Italian. I know you couldn't guess that. You thought maybe he's Irish. Um, he, Sebastian Maniscalco is a comedian. He's a pretty clean comedian. Not totally, but pretty clean. And he does this whole bit called Aren't You Embarrassed? Right? He would talk about all these things. You know, there's, as a kid, you know, a little bit of embarrassment is not, is not a bad thing. It helps you learn too much when it's shame or ridicule it's wrong it's, it's a wrong thing sometimes you got to learn sometimes the shame works and so god says i'll change their glory into shame they feed on the sin of my people and are greedy for their crimes but the cohen will fare no better than the people in other words christians we're not going to do any better so people say well how come so-and-so over there has it so good he doesn't believe in god he doesn't even worship god listen don't think you're going to do a whole lot better than them just because you're a christian sometimes it's going to be a lot worse for us anyway I'll skip over the rest of that. You don't need that. You guys are smart. But then, well, wait, this will be fun. The end of verse 14, this one always cracks me up a little bit. I will punish your daughters when they act like whores, literally, or your daughters-in-law when they commit adultery, because the men are themselves going off with whores and sacrificing with prostitutes. You had this little problem with prostitutes in the church, I'm just saying. Yes, a people without understanding will come to ruin. If you don't know, the price of not knowing is high. price of not knowing is high. Verse 19, the wind will carry them off in its wings, and their sacrifices bring them nothing but shame. We were talking about puppies. You've got to watch your puppy when eagles are around, right? Because they'll come, they'll swoop in, and they'll pick your puppy up. They don't even care. Uh, you know, they just don't care. They, they'll just come take your puppy away. If you've got a little dog, 
they'll just take the puppy right away. And, and, and that little puppy's thinking, what just happened? You know, they're flying away. Wow, I didn't know I could fly until they realized, well, this doesn't feel good. You're, you're helpless is what this is saying. Look, we all want wisdom. We all want knowledge. But it is necessary to seek it and then apply it. Well, there's nothing I love better than learning something new. And what do I want to do? I want to apply it right then. I want to do it right then. Right. You know, I'm reading a new book and I'm, wow, this is really interesting. I'm going to try this. Um, I just like doing that. But for me, it seals the knowledge for me. It helps me out. It seals that knowledge and I do it. So, but it's critical here. We all want wisdom and knowledge, but it's necessary to seek it and then apply it. There's no ways around this fact. This is a must. We can't entertain or delude ourselves around it. That's what we're doing in this. We entertain ourselves to death. We entertain ourselves to death. We have to seek it. I'll tell you how hungrily you have to seek the knowledge of the Word of God and how hard you have to follow it. Have you ever been in the ocean, at the beach maybe, the shore, for those of you from New Jersey? Uh, Bob and Millie, if you're listening, at the shore. I want them to understand. So you're at the shore, and the waves are coming in, right? There's a rip tide, rip current, and you do the thing you're never supposed to do, which is turn your back to the ocean. You turn around. Hey, look at me. Did you see how I'm going to push? And you get it, right? You get knocked down. You get tumble around. Your head hits the sand, and, you know, it's just, it's, you're disoriented, the whole bit. And you're, the wave pounds you, and the next wave pounds you, and you can't make your way to the surface. I had a guy teaching me, his name was Andy, he was phenomenal, guitar player and phenomenal, even better surfer. And Andy was teaching me how to surf. And I remember this one day, he took me to this place where the waves were the biggest. You know, he says, now you got to learn here. If you don't learn here, you're never going to be able to do it. You just, come on, let's go. So I got my wetsuit on, I go out there, and sure enough, I got, I got crushed. I got crushed, and I couldn't get to the surface. I was a super strong swimmer, got knocked out a little bit. Came to, I was disoriented, underwater, dumping water. You know, it was a bad deal. It was a bad deal. I was just a kid. And I remember that first breath that I was able to take when I got to that surface. That was the sweetest, most unpretty breath I've ever taken in my life. But it was... Because, <gasps> man, if I went another 30 seconds, if I went another 30 seconds, I was never going to take another breath again. That breath was the most important most vigorous, I persevered, getting tossed and bounced around. Breath, that intensity is how we are to pursue God. That's how we have to do it. We have to find the wisdom and knowledge, and we have to apply it. Sometimes applying this knowledge, it's, it's easier said than done. Sometimes we read things, we study things, we hear somebody preach something, and, you know, we think, oh, I, I got this. You know, I'm going to write this down. Maybe bullet point it, underline a couple times, maybe use my highlighter. You're right. 20 different kind of, you're like, I'm going to do this. I've got this. Mic drop. I got this. And you, then you go to do it. Next day, time to do it. Next day. you Maybe it's being bold about your faith. Maybe it's not being quiet. You know, the people in the lunchroom, they poke fun, they tell, you know, dirty joke, whatever. And you say, look, I'm going to tell them, don't do that anymore. Not around me. I'm here. Y'all do that other thing. Or maybe you say, hey, tomorrow I'm going to read my Bible at work. Not during work, but lunchtime you know i know somebody that goes through this she gets ridiculed nice wonderful black lady and she said she listened to me for a long time and we figured i figured out i know you i actually have met you and she's two and two together she goes yeah, yeah, yeah you know 
I sent her a picture of me. Don't send me any more pictures. Trust me. I know who you are. Um, so she, she was telling me about work. She says, pastor, I need, I need help. I need help at work. I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling because I, I want to read scripture, you know, fairly new Christian. I want to read scripture. And every time I go in the lunchroom, I try to open up my Bible. They make fun of me. So I stop doing it. I still carry my Bible, but I don't take it out of my pocketbook. And she said, man, pastor, I want to, I want to, I have such a hunger for the word, but, and I just want to do that because it's peaceful when I'm reading the word, but then they ridicule me. They make fun of me. And I just, I don't know. So she, I said, look, next time I do that, envision in your mind that that's a sword and there's going to be nothing. Now, now I would say probably that's like a 308 or, you know, a, a BMG 50 or something. I don't know. With extra magazines and Nighthawk scope and. But you know what I'm saying. But for her, I keep it, you know, it's a sword. And I said, imagine it's a sword. You take it out. You hear that whoosh, as it comes out of the thing and envision that armor just coming on you like the Bible tells us, you know. And nothing they say. Can, and you look at them right in the eye and say, you do what you want to do. But as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. And then just look at them. And smile. Now they get too ridiculous with it. Law goes both ways. They can't ridicule you for your religion. You can't ridicule them for their nationality, religion, cult, whatever. Can't they can't for you either. Christians stand up. If you're working in a workplace all around the world, if you listen to me right now, if you're working somewhere and you're getting ridiculed for your faith, there's something called HR. People say, Well, Christians, this should be humble and meek. No, don't mistake meek. I do a whole sermon series on one word, meek, and then what we think it is. My point here is is that Applying this desperately needed wisdom is a lot easier said than done sometimes. It really is, and all of us can fall backwards on it. How about, I'm almost finished, how about the two women's marches this week? Who, this week and last, did we receive wisdom from both of them? How did the marches differ? Now, I, I, I want, I was going to say look up the definitions of peace, shalom, and wisdom, but I'll do it for you since we're short of time. This is peace, according to Webster's Dictionary. A state of tranquility or quiet, such as freedom from civil disturbance. Peace and order were finally restored in the town. Or a state of security or order within a community provided for by law or custom, a breach of the peace. Freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotion. Man, I'm at peace. I'm at peace. I'm in perfect peace. Harmony in personal relations. The sisters are finally at peace with one another. I don't know, uh, he must have known sisters all the time be fighting. Uh, a state or period of mutual concord between governments. There was a peace of 50 years before war broke out again. Or a pact or agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enmity. Interjectionally, to ask for silence or calm or as a greeting or farewell. That's peace. That's peace. How about wisdom? Webster's work so well, it's used again. Accumulated philosophical or scientific learning. The ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. Good sense. How many of you people, you guys know, I've talked about uh, Stella and Richard Wharton, fourth grade education. Lived in a literal shack. Some of the most wise people from a biblical perspective. Some of those, from a faith, a real life faith perspective. Some of the wisest people I ever met in my life. Honestly, I'll never forget them. The first time I ever had gizzard stew. Anybody ever have gizzard stew? I'm old Sussex County boy. It's actually good. My brother makes it. It's mm, 
Set your jowls to slavering. Ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. Now, wisdom. I think that's interesting. You ever look at somebody you think, no, not worth much of nothing. I'm not going to stay around them. Then they end up becoming your best friend. Right? My best friend, we've been best friends since, and I hated him at first. I did. I hate him at first. Till he taught me how to play baseball. Till he taught me how to throw and catch. Till he stepped away from being the kind of smart alecky guy and being the kind and compassionate friend. Always a brother, AAB. Man, we went through stuff together you can't believe. He was one year ahead of me in high school, then he went off to the, the Ohio State University. Man, I missed him. Still still best friends after all these years. All these years. Best friends. At first I thought, I just don't know about this guy. And then thank God he gave me the wisdom to discern inner qualities. Generally accepted belief, wisdom, challenges what has become accepted wisdom among many historians. A wise attitude, belief, or course of action, the teachings of ancient wise men. Now, let's deal with Shalom. Look, there's a website called Refiner's Fire. I, I swipes from them. Most know that the Hebrew word Shalom is understood around the world to mean peace. However, peace is only one very small part of the meaning. Amen? Shalom is used to greet both greet people and to bid them farewell, and it means much, much more than peace, hello, or goodbye. Hebrew words go well beyond their spoken pronunciation. You see, each Hebrew, Hebrew word conveys feeling, intent, and emotion. Shalom is more than just simply peace. It's a complete peace. It is a realization of contentment, completeness, wholeness, well-being, and harmony. Now, this is according to Strong's Concordance. If you have a Strong's Concordance in your Bible, it has Strong's numbers in there. 7965 is the number. Shalom means completeness, wholeness, health, peace. Well, one word in Hebrew. Now, you wonder why God chose to reveal himself to the, to the Hebrew people. This is one of the reasons. Completeness. This is one word now. This is what it means. One word. Completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness. Tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, and the absence of agitation or discord. That's what it means. Shalom comes from the root word, a root verb shalom meaning to be complete, perfect, and full. In modern Hebrew, the obviously related word shalom means to pay for, and shalom means to be fully paid. Of course, there's only one way to find out true to one way to find true shalom, and that is in the word of Yahweh, word of God. Many search for fulfillment, happiness, contentment in all kinds of places. Material possessions. Man, if I get rich, I'm going to be complete. If I, if, I, um, if I get enough money, man, if I get this job or I, I hit that number, man, I'm going to be complete. Power. I'll be complete. If I'm the boss of all these people, I'll be complete. Entertainment, drugs, food, whatever. So many, so many things we think it'll bring to us, but nothing. These things do nothing to fill that enormous hole in our soul that only God can fill. What these things do serve to do is they serve to distract us. They serve to prevent us from finding true peace and the shalom that can only come from him, capital H, who created and put all things into place. Now, look, if you recall, Yeshua is called Sar Shalom, Prince of Peace which perfectly describes the ministry and personality of the Messiah. Let me give you this. This is free. Isaiah 9, 6. But in biblical Hebrew, remember I said at the start, 
Pehel, Yoez El Gabor, Abiyad, Sar Shalom. That's Hebrew 4. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, and this is what that Hebrew means, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Shar Shalom. Look at the behaviors that come from acting on godly wisdom in this as compared to the marches that we've seen these past couple of weeks, week and a half, I guess. In the first march, it was organized. This is something most people don't know. It's, it's crazy how this can happen. The first march, it was organized and led by a Sharia-adherent Muslim woman. She was leading the possessors of no knowledge or truth. We can, we can all agree that those people didn't have any idea what they were following. Just like the fellow that prayed, you know, they had an ecumenical uh, of many faiths, ecumenical uh, prayer service the day the day after the um, remember that after the inauguration remember when the Muslim Imam gets up there to speak well you know if you could speak Arabic you'd know he cast a curse upon the infidel in the National Cathedral a Muslim Imam that's not the worst of it do you know a Muslim Imam when extortion who in here knows what extortion 17 is Bunch of Navy SEALs. God bless. Oh, there we go. Thank you for bringing that. Uh, you know, we just lost a SEAL from SEAL Team 6 today in Yemen. As all of you know, it's my least favorite country in the world. Um, and God bless his family. God bless his family. Man, there's there's no words. Right, right about now, it's hitting them that he's going for good. No worse feeling. No worse feeling at all. But you know, the ramp ceremony, this is what they do before they load the caskets of the bodies onto the plane. And Imam, because we wanted to win the hearts and minds of the Afghan people, uh, a, uh, 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 an admiral thought, well, it'd be good, you know, we're in their country, we'll respect them because some Muslims died on the aircraft too. Uh, we will, we'll just, you know, allow them to say a prayer. And they prayed, nobody else there spoke uh, Arabic. And he, he put a curse on the infidel, and he, and, he, and he prayed that they would find hell. Ramp ceremony for Navy SEALs and those that were with the SEALs when they were killed. But in the first march, this was organized by uh, a, uh, a woman who is our enemy. She's absolutely our enemy. She, she wants Sharia law in every place in the United States of America. What's interesting is, is at this march, the first march, there's a lot of LGBT people, a lot of, um, what is it, LGBTQXEIOEIO, I don't know, what, I, I might be forgetting a letter, but, you know, they were screaming for, you know, reproductive rights. They were screaming, don't take away our right to abort babies or fetuses, whatever they call them. Don't, don't you know, I'm, I'm not a color, I'm not a gender, I'm not any of those things. You know, you can't label me and get your hands off my body. Just terrible, nasty things. Walking around with, you know, body part, girl part. Yeah, I mean, just ridiculous. I mean, grown folk and little kids around. That's what blew my mind. Little kids. Read my read my article uh, that I posted today at theninjapastor.com. Read that, and you can see some of the pictures, but not some of the worst ones. I had to edit it. So these people are marching along, and they're saying, hey, you know, Trump the fascist, Trump the Nazi, Trump the – Chelsea Handler, this is ironic to me, you know, that – they call her a comedian. I don't know. Is she really a comedian? Because nothing she's ever said I thought was funny. I think that's kind of the rule, right? If you're a comedian, you've got to make me laugh. 
Yeah, she's supposed to be a comedian, I think. I don't know what her deal is, but if it's comedian, she's not very funny. <coughs> she's always mad about something. They all are. So who said that? You're exactly right. They all are. I talked about that in my article, too. So they're marching for all this stuff, and they're marching for the right to wear insane costumes. And, you know, they're talking about conservatives, the deplorables, right? Because remember, they think they think we're deplorable. And so they're saying, not just Trump, you know, it's it's all of us. Not just President Trump, all of us. That's what they're saying. They're saying, this is who you are, and we hate you. You're gonna, you're a fascist. You're gonna throw us off a roof for being gay. No, that's the person who's leading the march. That's the person who you're going. Yeah, you're right. You know why? Because they have no wisdom. They have no knowledge. They have no in their life. They have no Sar Shalom or Prince of Peace. It's ironic, isn't it? The hashtag No Hate crowd with their foul signs, their foul nasty girl. Now look, I'm not making fun of them. That's what they call themselves. Ashley Judd. She's talking about how nasty a girl she was. Madonna, talking about how nasty a girl she was. Now, she is right. Let's be honest. She wants to call herself nasty. I'll agree. But this whole group's being led by the one person who knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that her religious, political, and military ideology of Islam. It's not a religion. It's a RPM, religious, political, and military ideology. It's exactly the group gay people should fear the most. But they have no knowledge. They have no wisdom. They have no peace. They have no shalom. And they will, according to Scripture, surely perish. The crowd of screaming, angry girl, body part, costume, chant for their dark cause left mountains of trash, right? People are supposed to love the earth so much. They left mountains of trash. It was, it was horrible. They left their foul signs anywhere for anybody to see, even little kids. They demeaned the very environment they claimed to love. Then, by blazing contrast, we have the smiling, marching, hymn singing, worship song singing, people embracing life just one week later. They were respectful, no foul language. They looked clean. They were groomed. I'm, I'm guessing they smelled better than the first crowd. They were happy, not vindictive or angry like the first crowd. They preached love and life, and what's more, they didn't leave a filthy mess. No one dressed as genitalia, and when you're acting on godly wisdom, you don't behave insane with a darkened mind. And as such, you will come away with peace. If you were among that group of people, you came away with peace. You came away with shalom, from Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And who and what we are here on earth, I find that one thing that robs us all of peace is how we love. It's interesting. I talked to my daughter in the wee hours of the morning. She's a brilliant, brilliant person. Love talking to her. She absolutely challenged me mentally. Um, and I was telling her this. I taught a Bible college class, and this was one of my sayings. And I and I think it more than I say it. So, but these are this is something I learned the hard way. You cannot love fully and beautifully with the love of God without earthborn. This is in my next book, by the way. Without earthborn heart-wrenching pain, occasionally reminding us that yes, we are still riding on a broken earth. One day it won't hurt to love like that. One glad day how this conversation came about is she just got back um over the summer she was in india for seven weeks I begged her not to go i have very intimate experience with india uh didn't like it didn't like it again and didn't like it again i knew it wasn't the place for me with a veterinary thing and uh she found this dog that she named dobby within sight 
of a veterinary hospital where they had all kinds of resources to help this crippled dog. From mid-back on, the dog was totally and completely crippled. It was just scab-ridden. They, they literally thousands, I kid you not, wasn't it thousands, thousands of ticks. There in India, they don't deal with ticks. They just don't deal with them. Thousands of ticks on this little dog. She's gone to this veterinary hospital for the next rotation. She sees this little dog. And she, of course, being Lily, goes over and picks up this dog and loves on the dog. They tell you, don't touch the dogs. Don't touch the dogs. Well, she didn't care. For the whole rest of the time she was there, she worked on trying to help this dog. And to the point at which she said, look, I will pay to euthanize this poor animal. I'll pay. I'll pay whatever it costs. I'll pay to have it treated. I'll pay, you know, can we get it adopted out? Can I take it back to the U.S.? Whatever. She's killing herself trying to do this. She created a sling, her and her friend, her uh, fellow vet student created a sling so that the dog could kind of know what it was like to walk without dragging its rear legs. Gave this dog such love. The dog was homeless. That's one of the biggest problems there. The only thing that has less value in India than a woman is a dog. I kid you not. I'm not saying that from my perspective. That's what's true there. And so I said, she said, Dad, you know, it just hurts so much because before, right after she left, Dobby died. They had adopted her out, and there were some people that said they were going to take care of her, and Dobby died. She just couldn't make it. I said, honey, she just felt horrible, and she just sometimes burst into tears over this dog. And I said, honey, there's one thing you did that nobody else would do. The thousands of people that walk by that dog every day, you stopped, you acknowledged it, and you loved it. Love has a price. You cannot love fully and beautifully with the love of God without earth-born, heart-wrenching pain occasionally reminding us that, yes, we are still riding on a broken earth. But one day, it won't hurt to love like that. One glad day. You see, I think that's what's the problem, the people in the first march. I think that's the problem. I really do. Maybe they, along the way they got bad teaching. Maybe somebody in their life, you know, maybe when they got to college, a professor got a hold of them and twisted them up. 46% of all freshmen that go to college self-identifying as a Christian, a follower of Christ, 46% of them by the end of their freshman year disavow their faith in God. And what causes that are the professors that are there for that reason and that reason alone. You know, these people, the people in the first march, they're perpetually angry. You said it. They're mad all the time. They're ruminating on their hurt and their preoccupation with their perpetually aggrieved state. I believe that despite their protestations to the contrary, they don't understand love. They don't understand love because they've rejected Yeshua. Remember those people says, I won't even remember your children. They've rejected Yeshua. They've rejected Hashem. They've rejected Yahweh. They've rejected God. How can they? The difference is, is we find love and peace in Shalom. How? This right here is the message to remember. I should have cut to the chase, saved you all some time. This is the message to remember. How can you find love and peace and shalom? You find him. You find God. He is not a moving target. You are. Stop moving. Stand still. Be still and know him. Be still and come to a full knowledge of God. question is, what does it mean to be still and how can I know that he is God. 
Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You see, this verse comes from a longer section of Scripture that proclaims the power and security of God. While the threat of the, that the psalmist was facing at this time, it isn't mentioned specifically. It doesn't say what, what he was angst-ridden about. It seemed to relate to the pagan nations that were calling for God to end this war that was going on at the time. Here's the entire psalm. I want you to hear this. Don't miss this. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way to the mountains fall and, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and, and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is with her. She will not fail. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are enough. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his mighty voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord hath done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I want you to notice something interesting about that psalm. The majority of that psalm is written in the third person until the psalmist speaks about God. However, God's verse comes through. God's voice comes through in this verse. And the Lord speaks here in the first person, in that whole passage, be still and know that I am God. <coughs> He's talking. The question is, are we listening? Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www dot blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor and follow dr sean on twitter at the ninja pastor and on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash god in country radio and check out all the free messages archive shows and buy dr sean's critically acclaimed book excellence killed the church how mediocrity is destroying america at www drshawngreener.com Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.